Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. I'm Maddie Cassidy. And I'm Denise Gershon. And today, as you already heard, we have returning champion Denise Gershon with us to talk to a special guest named Dr. Minosh Sharma. And we have a very in-depth conversation about the shrimp industry in India and Dr. Minoj's goal to increase the domestic shrimp consumption in India. There's a lot of details in this conversation, so get your notebook ready. Um, before we get into that, I want to remind everybody, as I always do, to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. That way, every time a new episode comes out, it'll automatically be downloaded onto your device. And follow us on Twitter at Aquademia Pod. If you want to contact the podcast for any reason, sponsorship, you want to be a guest, you have some topic suggestions, you can fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, then we would really appreciate it if you leave a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on. That's right. Please enjoy this conversation that we had with Denise and Dr. Minosh, and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right. We are sitting down today with a couple people. Returning champion Denise Gershon is joining us again. Thank you, Denise. Always nice to have you on the show. Our listeners love hearing your voice, so we're happy to have you back. And uh, she, Denise hooked us up with Dr. Manoj Sharma. Uh, if you're from India, I'm sure you've heard that name, especially if you're one of our listeners from India. And we are going to be talking about consumption of domestic shrimp in India, which is a big thing that needs that we want to start spreading the word about. So it's going to be a great conversation. But I'm going to kind of hand it over to Denise to get us going because this is your world. This is kind of where you're living right now. So, Well, I will say that it is a world that I visit. It's not a world not that you're living I live. In. Yeah, true. That's true. Not physically <laughs> and, living. And that's why um, we wanted to talk to Dr. Manosh because this is a world in which he lives and has 25, uh, maybe actually I think it's 31 years of experience. So we really want to hear from the expert on this one. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Manoj, before we get into this topic, let's hear about you and kind of, can you give us kind of a quick background of who you are and how you got to where you are now? Uh, greetings to everybody. I'm uh, Manoj Sharma. Basically, I love to call myself as a farmer, but people do consider me as an shrimp farming expert also. I basically uh, born and brought up uh, uh, a place called Nanded in Maharashtra province of India, which is uh, west coast of India. And I studied my master's degree in aquaculture management and last, uh, as Denise, uh, she said, 31 years. But I don't, I'm, don't look that old, but <laughs> I, I started very early at the age of 21 into this business. So I could say that, yes, almost like three decades I'm into this business. and. I have seen uh, Sean parallelly, you know, that if you see the history of shrimp farming in India is almost uh, started from 1988. And uh, at that time I was a student, I was pursuing my master's degree in aquaculture management. So the growth of the shrimp farming industry and my growth can be said uh, parallel. So I'm proud of that. Yeah, for sure. Is that where you found your passion for um, shrimp farming? Was it when you were at university um, doing your master? Well, first you did your undergrad, then you did your master's, and then you went on to do your PhD. But you worked as a tech um, in a, at a prawn farm, freshwater prawn farm. Is that really where it started, or was it even before then that you had the, the passion for shrimp farming? I think, Dennis, uh, you touched a very emotional point of me, you know, because uh, uh, hardly anyone knows that how I entered into aquaculture, especially shrimp farming. Uh, to be very honest with you, I uh, when I was a student uh, to my 10 plus 2, uh, say 1985, 86, everybody wanted, wanted to become a doctor or an engineer and that kind of a, uh, a craze was there. But uh, I was very dumb and dumper in mathematics. I was so poor in mathematics. And, and there was an option for 10 plus 2. You could take an optional subject of fish and fishery science or a, social science so that you can eliminate your mathematics so that was the thing you know why i like that okay fish and fishery science i will take it because i'm very good in biology 
so i took that and uh, that's where i think uh, i the god has uh, asked me to take that because i didn't know what was hidden in my destiny so to be very wow. honest with you i never ever thought of pursuing my any career in aquaculture i took this subject as an accident or maybe we can say that to eliminate the mathematics from my list and that is how <laughs> i started uh, studying uh, fish and fishery science uh, in my graduation to be That's very funny. honest with you i remember when i was in high school i took multiple biology courses i almost made it up to ap biology because i didn't want to take physics because there was so much math in physics <laughs> yes so yes. i just kept going down the biology route and then i ended up going to school for aquaculture and fishery but tech, sean so now kind of... now i realize after 30 years into this business and there's a lot of math in shrimp farming too <laughs> <laughs> no, no, see when there is a math wherever there is a money yeah <laughs> yes, so, there is. So, so that's that's now i'm i'm more fascinated to maths now these days yeah, well, you know, there's there's good aspects uh, to it too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank goodness for very happy accidents for happening in our <laughs> lives. So it's good to have you both here for a happy accidents. So tell us a little bit more. So you mentioned that the aquaculture farming started in India in the 80s, and you were doing your schooling and working um, as a tech. But tell us a little bit more. There was there's so much that happened between the 90s and 2010 in India. Tell us a little bit more about that time so that we understand the perspective. Uh, I will take uh, just another two minutes, Dennis, to brief you that how I entered and came into Surat. Because I said uh, I took uh, my graduation just to omit maths. But my passion was to become a doctor. And what happened actually after my 10 plus 2 I scored almost like 94.5% uh, in, in my 12th. Uh, and then uh, the merit list got, got closed at 97 uh, for the medical. And I was just uh, uh, rejected with a 2% minus. And I was so, so, uh, you know, became so much rejected. Okay, what to do now? What, what option do I have? Then uh, you'll be surprised that I did one year commerce, uh, leaving com complete uh, uh, the science. And I used to play cricket for my university. And then one fine day, uh, one of my senior teachers, he came across me and he asked me, how, how is my medicine studies and going? And I just bluffed him that I'm <laughs> doing well. And then after three, four days, he came and he hold my ear and he said, are you crazy that you, you are such a good uh, science student and now you, you left and doing some uh, commercial studies. So he, he took me back to the college and he forced me to pursue my career in BFSC fisheries. And that's how I graduated from fisheries. And then I cleared uh, agriculture research services in 1991. And this is how there was an officer's training program, which was uh, uh, in the form of a, a master's degree in aquaculture management by Central Institute of Fisheries Education. This program was specially designed for uh, professional careers in aquaculture and that's how I ended up into this university. Uh, in, in short, I will say that in 1994 when I passed out from this uh, uh, university, uh, I have been uh, offered uh, many good positions uh, in, in local areas but because, uh, because of some issues, uh, because there is uh, some uh, reservation categories uh, uh, in our uh, government system for the government positions. So I belong to the, the upper uh, system. So I was not able to apply for that. So one fine day on September 28th, uh, through the placement cell, uh, my very respected teacher, Dr. A. Krishna Reddy, uh, who has given me a direction that go to Gujarat and uh, meet his friend that who is running a freshwater prawn hatchery here. So I came uh, with uh, $10 in my pocket, my scholarship money and uh, to Gujarat. And in Gujarat, if you, if you see the, uh, the you, have you heard about the news called the, the plague, the deadly disease has erupted in 1994 in Gujarat. And on that same eve, I was in Surat uh, and everybody was running. There was, I was not knowing the local language, nothing. So I just... Uh, shifted uh, 16 kilometers away from Surat place called Olpad and I used to live there uh, one month, two months into a small uh, joint, uh, a very tight room with uh, sharing room with five, six people. And that is how I started my life here. But uh, what I really noticed here, good about uh, staying in three, four months that initially with uh, uh, Gujarat Aquaculture Development uh, Corporation people uh, doing some freshwater 
uh, prawn work that there is a fantastic potential, you know, because I could sense that, you know, Gujarati here are very famous for business and they have a, such a huge potential. But the one thing which surprised me is that they were 90% um, uh, ve vegetarian people and nobody was so keen and interested to do any business in aquaculture. One way it was big setback and another way I thought that it's a good opportunity that uh, potential is very high and these people are having a uh, rich DNA of business in their blood. So if I give them an idea that shrimps can be grown with a very high margin profitable business, so things can be done. And this is how uh, I was started looking for some uh, opportunity. And during that struggling time, I used to also go to river banks, collect Rosenbergi wild seed and try to trade them to the adjacent farmers and the states. And this is how I used to survive myself. And then one fine day, I met across a gentleman called Pradeep Navik. He was head of the village uh, in Dandi, Olpad. And he took me and he has shown me his site of 172 hectare. And then he asked me, Manoj, you, you looks to be a very educated person in this field. And uh, I have seen your little farm. Can you help us? Because there were a group of some 200 people, uh, a very uh, artisanal fishermen, and uh, they were surviving to get their livelihood. And this is how in 1996, I started with Four Pond in Dandi. And uh, the initial spark, you know, the people used to laugh at us that uh, this... Uh, these uh, sea creatures, the sea animals cannot be uh, done into a, a man-made ponds and you people are crazy, this is not going to happen. But in 1996, with, with four ponds uh, result, it has everybody's eyes were popped out and, uh, and after that there was no <laughs> looking back. 4 to 40 to 400 to 4,000. Now I'm talking to you already, Gujarat is dwelling with uh, 12,600 ponds and producing close to 50,000 tons of shrimp. You know, this is... This is in a flash, I can tell you how the story of the successful shrimp farming in Gujarat. And it's amazing to see how you went, as you said, artisanal and just taking the wild stock, the non-SPF uh, monodon, and then moving into the SPF vaname, and then moving into now what we have is the SPF monodon. It's amazing to see the expansion and how the evolution. I mean, you just look at those numbers. I'm, we're going back to numbers. I mean, from 2010 to today, it's amazing. I mean, India is number one, number two, arguably, in terms of exports of shrimp. And it's amazing to me to see an, an explosion of this business. Tell us a little bit more about that. No, honestly, Dennis, uh, in Gujarat, uh, the biggest attraction point was that, you know, what I felt is that uh, uh, initial my very struggling days, I used to travel a lot on my motorbike and uh, maybe maybe to everybody's surprise in every every that th th three years, uh, my uh, speedometer used to become from zero to 100,000 kilometer and again become zero, you know. So that kind of a travel I used to do and I have seen that, you know, the coastal area especially in Gujarat, they have a highest, highest uh, tidal amplitude and we call it as a uh, spray zone because the tide reaches up to 20-25 kilometers, making it very, very difficult for uh, shoreline fishermen to get any sizable catch for their survivals. So, a lot of fisher, fishermen were running out of their livelihood and they were being forced to do some uh, difficult activities to survive and uh, and meet their you know uh, uh, daily food and needs so i i took it very um, uh, big challenge that you know if i can make or maybe this shrimp farming or this aquaculture coastal aquaculture can is making a sizable difference in their uh, livelihood and they are somehow uh, the future can be uh, secured for them so that really attracted me and it has become uh, one of my main agenda or a point or a mission that one hectare of brackish water, salt affected land, which is barren of no use, no competition with agriculture, is converted to a shrimp pond, can, can produce 5 ton and with a foreign, foreign earner. That time, uh, 30 years back, earning dollar in India was considered to be the uh, most uh, attractive business because it was um, uh, foreign currency dollar earner 
and this is how uh, sh uh, shrimp farming you know uh, by, by just producing uh, 5000 kg uh, 25 30000 dollars could be made and it was giving direct indirect employment to tan coastal people this this calculation this mathematics has really really surprised me and everybody in the adjoining area and there was after that there was no looking back so i think on the socio economic front of coastal and inland people this was a immense opportunity and uh, this was uh, well accepted by our local government and government of india and and uh, the uh, gates were open for the government policies and land allotment and everything was done very positive after that so i think i think uh, i will say that my and my farmers good work has created a mass opportunity for employment food and profit for the coastal people that is what i am very proud of right and one of the biggest challenges now because this has blown up into such a huge industry. But one of the biggest challenges that I want to introduce to our listeners and kind of why we're doing this episode is that the majority of that shrimp, the vast majority of that shrimp, from what I understand, from what Denise has explained to me, is just being exported. It's being shipped out. And there's such a huge opportunity to increase the consumption of this shrimp domestically in India. But that is proving to be a big challenge because you know, it's one thing if you, you know, in, in aquaculture and science and biology that you, you come up with challenges and you need to, you, you can measure and decide what changes you need to make to address those challenges. And it can be difficult, but in theory, it can be very easy because you can say, this is our problem. This is what we're going to do to fix it because this is science. But when you're looking at something like trying to increase the amount of a certain thing that people are eating that is not part of their regular diet, that is psychology. It's not a science. It's not. It's a different kind of science. It's psychology, which is much, much more difficult. Changing people's minds, which is one of the goals that we have on our, in, on our podcast here, is very, very, very difficult. And so this is something that, this is kind of a, the big topic of this episode, is, is how can this happen and what steps are being taken? So Denise, I want to pass it off to you if you have anything to say about that before we kind of get into that. No, let's focus in on that. I mean, the, the barriers to domestic shrimp consumption um, I think they're, and I'm not going to speak for um, Dr. Manoush, um, that he's brought them up before in other podcasts. And it was fascinating to me in terms of awareness, acceptance, and availability. And you talk about the psychology, but there's also that piece, internal supply chain. Logistics. Um, the logistics yeah. of it all. So, Dr. Manoj, if you could um, talk a little bit more about those points. You know, Dennis, uh, listening to uh, what Sean has uh, asked me, you know, because uh, one thing is very, very, very clear. As he said that India is number one or number two. Let's not go into number one, number two game. But we, let's see today. As it's up there. Position, <laughs> today, today, it's position that India and Ecuador, they are producing almost 70 to 80 percent of the world traded shrimp. See, see, if the figure, if you see the figure, world produces close to 4.5 million tons of shrimp. And only two countries majorly, USA and China, they are the 80% consumers of the total uh, farm production. And in, in, in that, India and Ecuador are almost producing 2.2 million tons. Ecuador is not even one-tenth of in, uh, India's population. And where today... Uh, I could say that, you know, our biggest strength is that we are the number one uh, shrimp producer and number three fish producer in the world and we are the largest population. We have just surpassed China by 20 million. So, that's a huge, huge potential. Why? See, see when I started shrimp farming in, in, say, 1996, that I remember correctly, India was seventh in the position in the world in shrimp production and we were hardly used to produce 70 to 75,000 tons. But remember, when India used to produce 70, 75,000 tons of shrimp, the world used to produce only uh, 1.5 million. But now India is producing 1 million, so the world is producing 4.5 million. So now it's the buyer's market. There is no more a producer's market. So, so if, you, if you see India, uh, I, would, I would say that Indian aquaculture, especially the shrimp farming, can be divided into a monodon era and the Vanami era, and again, mm -hmm. the uh, uh, re resurgence of Monodon or the, we are all, some, some farmers are reverting back to Monodon. And why this has been happened? See, see, no farmer is doing any business for fun or charity. He is doing business <laughs> for income and he is doing business for his survival. 
So when somebody talks to me that, you know, uh, uh, the whole world is uh, uh, doing this and gaining importance or suffering, I don't agree to that. I will just see simple because I'm a farmer. I'm a shrimp farmer. For me, the entire world is my farm and my family. So the question first comes at whether Mano Sharma or he, on his farm is surviving or not. But today, I will say that COVID has changed the entire game, entire oh, yeah. plan of the business, even the mentality, everything has been changed. Now, today, if you ask me, if I have to write a history, I will say that the world economic will now remember as a pre-COVID era and post-COVID era. So what's actually happened, you know, uh, uh, Sean, uh, after post-COVID, if you see the cost of uh, inputs, uh, I'm talking particularly of India, but everywhere in the world, the story is the same. The raw material, the input, especially the feed, seed and other has increased by 25 to 27%. Whereas the farm gate prices have come down to surprisingly 28 to 32%. So there is no question of farmers making any money. And when I talk about shrimp farming is such a fantastic business, uh, I also want to say that if there is no margin of 40-45% on your investment, a farmers cannot survive because it's a livestock business. And today, today you will all be surprised. India is producing close to 1 million tons of shrimp. But you know what is the farming survival? Farming survival is Poncho is also there in this uh, recording. He is listening to me. Hardly farmers in India are successful by 55%. What I mean to say by 55% is that uh, there are certain farmers who are not able to produce a size which is exportable, say 10 gram, 12 gram or 15 gram. So that farmers are definitely losing money because we don't have a domestic market. And if I relate to that, if Mano Sharma on his farm is producing 500 ton, so 40% of that is 200 ton is... Uh, uh, undersize, which is not even crossing 15 grams. So, where I'm going to uh, put up this material? That's where uh, I am very, very sure. And I'm last seven years I'm talking when India has a population of 1.4 billion, and out of that, 75% population is a non vegetarian. And let me clear here what I mean by non vegetarian. In non vegetarian in India means only chicken and egg. The per capita fish consumption is very, very less. And again, Dennis, you will be surprised when I say per capita fish consumption, you will be surprised to see we are one of the best in the world in the region called Northeast, but we are also one of the poorest in the world when you come to Punjab side or Gujarat side. When you go to Agartala, you go to Assam, the, the states consume even 45-50 kilo per capita. But if you travel back to west coast of India, to Gujarat, even there is a one kilo consumption. So there is a huge uh, disparity, you know. So India, I strongly feel that even, even I will tell you a simple calculation, Sean. India produces one million ton. 76% Indian population are non-vegetarian. Out of that, even 20%, say, say <clears throat> they consume only one kilo per year also. Then also, uh, boss, uh, five, five, 500,000 tons of shrimp can be chopped up, you know, even, even in one month. So that is the kind of a potential we have. But, but we were so much busy uh, after the Venamai introduction in 2011-12, right and left, all the entire value chain, they were making so much money and they were so busy in counting them that we have failed to understand if something bad will come out, where are we are going to uh, dump our shrimp? I am not against of export promotion. We have done fantastically. Salute to each and everybody, each and everyone in the industry that we have done a phenomenal job to become number one producer in the world and exporter. But now post-COVID, everything has been rattled. Now we have to see if the industry which is worth now 8 billion and what is the fate of that industry. And, and believe me, I'm not against of anything. I have a very uh, emotional bond with Ecuador. I've been working in Ecuador. I've been you know, invited there as a speaker from six, seven times in the last 10 years. And I could see Ecuador growing from nowhere to one of the best in the world just by improving their pond management. And today, Ecuador, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, if today the way Ecuador is growing, uh, sorry, forget about India, even entire Asian shrimp farming will have shiver in their spine, you know, because 
nobody can produce as cheaper as Ecuador, as cost efficient as Ecuador. And they have now all shapes on all sizes what the world market needs. So India has to have no other alternative than believing in their own potential, believing in their own domestic market. And this is my humble appeal to the entire value chain and the fraternity of aquaculture in industry that we are sitting on the most untapped and one of the biggest market, and that is called domestic market. And you brought up some really fantastic points. Like in the short term, you know, you talked about the survival of the shrimp and the low survival rates. Um, And then for a solution in the long term, you talked about the domestic consumption. So what makes you optimistic about Indian shrimp? I mean, it's the type of thing that the technology that's coming on board with automatic feeders, with you know, water quality and things of that nature. Um, and it will be amazing to see how things transform in the next five to 10 years. What makes you optimistic about this? I mean, it's the type of thing that every time that I've listened to your podcast, I've been captivated by your, you know, like you say, you've been screaming from the rooftops for six, seven years. <laughs> and um, sorry that it took me six, seven years to hear your voice, but now that we have, we want to amplify it. No, Denise, uh, <clears throat> people will only listen to you when they want. If you 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 are you are shouting or you are whatever you do, if it is if it attracts them. So see, I was a little bit. You can see, I was uh, uh, somewhere uh, very uh, conscious on the viewpoint where I could see what's happening. So so the people with short vision has never understood that what I'm saying. What, what, what is going to come? But unfortunately, uh, it has happened in the form of COVID. And today, we each and everything we understood that how a farmer can suffer if he is dependent upon a foreign market. And, and, and today, what actually, uh, when you ask me what is the future uh, path and potential, see, you will be surprised, Denise. Whatever shrimp farming industry has been developed, 99% has developed into a private land. You will be surprised the kind of potential this uh, resources we have. But if domestic, see, we already have developed a market uh, of close to 0.8 million ton for the export. But if we start consuming India, 1.4 billion people start consuming shrimp. Maybe say it is not going to happen in a one day or two day. Let's it's happen gradually by another two three years. Imagine if domestic consumption increases by only 500,000 ton then farmers has a great, great support for the crash harvested, that harvested which are early, even 100 count, even uh, uh, 120 count, even 80 count can be easily absorbed. And so farmers will be, never lose the money, you know, and that, that's where the industry will, will gain an immense confidence. And if you ask me how that confidence comes to me, from nothing, from $10 scholarship money, if Mano Sharma is doing a 500 hectare shrimp farming and at, on a turnover of, uh, uh, say, in Indian rupees, uh, 70, 80 crore, I don't know if you have calculated in dollars, it must be, uh, uh, say, 30, 40 million uh, dollars. If that mm-hmm. can be achieved by Mano Sharma, I think, I think each and everybody can do that. I'm not a superman. I'm just a normal, ordinary human being who has a love and passion for food and profit through aquaculture. If I can do, anybody can do. So that confidence comes to me because I, 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 I have seen that by running my own small restaurant called Jingalala. You will be surprised, Dennis. I took up a challenge to start a non-vegetarian, a pesca kind of a, a restaurant in Surat, where surrounded by 90% people are purely vegetarian. And now today, I am very proudly telling you, Friday, Saturday, weekdays, I get a phone call for a recommendation to have a table. Then immediately after one and a half year, when the second wave gone, and now things have become normal, I have been forced to uh, expand my restaurant into double the carpet area. Then story is the same. Again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there is a waiting for one, one hour. If this can be achieved by an ordinary person like me, then you imagine that India has 755 district headquarters. We have we have nine maritime states. We have a coastline of 8,100 kilometer. What kind of a, a scale for a domestic consumption it is? But this this has to be taken from the uh, each and everybody has to come in, in support of this wonderful aspect. You know, only Manoj Sharma cannot do. I can only give an ideas. I can give an only example. 
but farmer mindsets will not change uh, with opinions and ideas somebody like me has to lead by an example now today i led by an example that mono sharma is running his his jingalala restaurant wonderfully so this examples is now will become you know a very big attraction for others to emulate the same success story all right we still have a bunch of topics to, that we want to get to before we even begin to consider wrapping up this episode but i'm going to ask a quick question here if you achieve the goals of increased domestic consumption in india what effect do you think that will have on the global shrimp market i don't think i don't think there will be any impact uh, in the global sea market because because uh, you will be surprised if you see pre covid era or maybe before the rise of ecuador asian shrimp market was 70% and 30% in americas but another 2 3 years uh, uh, don't be in a shock that Uh, it will be 50-50, or maybe Americas will surpass the Asian production, because everybody, everybody is growing shrimp. Every every country has a climate is 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 going for shrimp production or any aquaculture, uh, another species. So I don't think uh, India's uh, domestic market will have uh, any impact on the global supply because it's already uh, the mode is in oversupply mode. Uh, I think so. so okay. i think uh, the world market will be thankful for indian domestic market at least they can have a better price <laughs> that's what i will think <laughs> they will be more thankful to india to develop the domestic market and that's what's key is that the farmers need to be able to make money i mean the fact of the matter is as you say the market right now is really difficult there's an oversupply in the market covid has disrupted mm-hmm. supply chains with china and the like and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position where farmers aren't able to make money so now we're going to go into farmers are going to say what do i you know how do i adapt and how do i not um i can't stock because you know because of credit or because of inflation or because of cost of feed and it just causes these cycles that can be really that take months to correct or even years to correct anything that you'd like to add on that one thing denis let me tell you i don't know i get very uh, bugged you know somebody when they say that india doesn't have a domestic market or domestic consumption right now they are absolutely absolutely wrong let me let me clear one thing denis if you see the figures of indian government they say that india is number 3 uh, freshwater fish producer in the world let me say again india says and the world says that india is the second or third largest freshwater fish producers in the world and you will be surprised denis what I, when when they say that they say that india produces 16 million metric tons of freshwater fish and that is 100% consumed in india when 16 million metric tons of fish can consume in india what nonsense we are talking about that 1 million tons of shrimp cannot be consumed this is absolutely nonsense when somebody says that india doesn't have a domestic market right now so where this 16 million tons of fish has been eaten can anybody answer me that when this country is already eating 16 million metric tons of fish do don't you think occasionally maybe on christmas on many on festival day if they consume only uh, half kilo of shrimp per family this entire 1 million tons of production can be consumed some people doesn't want shrimp uh, industry to be developed because they are having a nonsense fear that they might lose their business but to me i am a farmer and i am a friend of farmers and for me farmer is everything i have a very one simple question when 16 million metric tons of freshwater fish which is produced and consumed in india i don't see that 1 million tons of shrimp doesn't have a potential it it it, it is not attractive or maybe somebody is not interested uh, maybe maybe that is his his, his uh, job or his duty but to me it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful potential and i think it's a very easy market when we can consume 16 million metric tons of fish boss for me it is very easy to consume 1 million tons of fish shrimp that's as simple as is is easy to understand and the only thing that i i support the farmer my point was that we need to get a better price for the farmer and that's why i wanted to be an advocate for the domestic consumption so that we could get the indian farmer better pricing i will just give you a rough calculation if india is producing uh, 1 million tons of shrimp and out of that 35 40% is crash harvest crash means less than 15 gram harvest which is absolutely then impossible uh, in in front of ecuador to compete into that size i am saying msi i am saying a size of 60 70 80 count we cannot uh, uh, afford to export the price ecuador is doing 
So means what the farmer has to sell it uh, by losing their money. So, so there is no room now today. Aquaculture, especially shrimp farming, uh, maybe in 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 2000 uh, it used to attract one dollar, two dollar profit. Now today, if I am producing at 3.5 to 3.8 dollar, and I am getting just a 20 cent margin uh, from the producer, even I even I even I will lose 100, 200 kilo with with a small infection called black gill or a DO or any other issue. Um, I'm, I'm out. I'm out of the business. See, today when I am talking to you from Gujarat and my, my, my fort is Gujarat, my love for Gujarat, you see the statistics. 2017 was the wonderful year when Gujarat has surpassed 50,000 tons of production. But in 2022, you see the, the, the data from the government, Gujarat has uh, gone down by 30,000 tons production. So this 30,000, 50, 60 production down has to have some reason because Farmers are not willing to stock their pond because they are sure that they are not going to make money. Yeah. That is the situation. If these farmers will have an option, oh, don't worry. Whether you have 20 gram plus shrimp, it will be exported. Less than 20 gram, you have a ready domestic market. What kind of a mental support or a relief these people will have? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Now they are worried. They are worried. If their shrimp dies below 15 gram, they have nothing to lose money. They, they, they will definitely lose money. And that's where... I have given them an example uh, through Jingalala. Today, if Manoj Sharma is producing 500 ton, if my 100 ton material also, I have to harvest it below 10 gram or 12 gram, I have a ready market of called Jingalala. I am selling medium large jumbo and, and IQF PDPDTO into the local market, say 3 to 4 ton per week. What kind of a support it is to me? What kind of a cushion to me? I have a guarantee that whatever happens, I am not going to lose my money. And, 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 and I think that is the biggest mental support to a farmer, a surety of the market, a guarantee of the market. Today, we don't know what China is going to offer. We don't know today what US is going to offer. We don't know what will be the fate of production in Ecuador. Next five years looks so, so difficult for me. There is no all, all blur. There is no clear, uh, clear view. This kind of ambiguity is, is, is like very suffocating for a shrimp farmer because, because he is not an agriculture ordinary farmer where he is betting on a $500 per hectare or a $2,000. Today, we have been gambling of $30,000 or $35,000 on a hectare. That's, that's a crazy money to lose. Right. So let's, let's talk about process. What steps can we be taking to ensure that market to make sure that this goes the way that we're trying to make it go? You know, what, what is the process that we can take so the next five, 10 years, we get more assurance within that local market? Sean, my idea is very clear. When I say that Jingalala, Jingalala, that my mission is not for myself, you know, it is, it is for the entire industry. When I say that, you know, we have 1600 processors. When we say we have a 500 plus hatchery operators. When we say that we have 45 plus feed manufacturers. When we say we have 150,000 hectares of shrimp, far shrimp farming. Imagine we all have to come together for this mission. Only one Mano Sharma can give an example that my 100, my 100 hectare can be secured. But today his question is not about Mano Sharma. question is about the entire industry. When I can do this, why not each and every farmer in the every district and every area uh, can come together? If we, if we only uh, give 2 cents or 3 cents per kg what we produce, today, today anyway we are losing 50 cents per kilo. Rather than we contribute uh, to a national uh, uh, federation or a cooperative and then mass campaign can be done, you know, today to uh, spread the awareness of eating seafood, uh, the health benefits of eating uh, seafood. Maybe, maybe in India, when people talk about so many things, I will say that India has uh, two great uh, religions or discipline in the form of a, a, a Bollywood and a cricket. These, these are legendary stars, you know. This any, Anybody such a star campaigner can be roped in to become a brand ambassador for shrimp and then, then a great marketing scheme can be done. For an example, many people doesn't know, but India, when we have a white revolution, we had a slogan called Taste of India. And you could see, we call it like a uh, white revolution in form of dairy development in India. When we say that uh, Sunday ho ya Monday, rose khai ande, that means Sunday or Monday, at least have one egg. Uh, so that, that has changed the fate and fortune of the poultry industry in India. So if that, on that line, if somebody in the go 
government or maybe the farmers uh, cooperate you or the federation can come across uh, just uh, contribute uh, uh, meager money and then this corpus fund can be used for the national promotion this can be done this has already been done for dairy this has already been done for poultry so why it cannot be done for shrimp and uh, fish industry everybody has to come together it's not a one man job you know whole industry entire value chain has to come and contribute for themselves for their survival and that's exactly why we want to help and that's why we want to amplify we want to be able to at least have our listeners understand what a great product the indian shrimp product is and um, help increase domestic consumption within India. If we have, we do have quite a few listeners in India. Um, I've got to give um, the team fantastic credit for really developing our readership on the Advocate um, and also our listening. One of our largest podcasts was, um, but really took off in the Indian market. So, what we really wanted to do was to give you the opportunity, or not give you the opportunity, but what we wanted to do was to talk to you, to learn more, to hear what the challenges were, and figure out, you know, hey, how do we get this message out more within India? Because You'd be surprised. We do have people who are listening. And is there anything that you'd want to say directly to the Indian listeners? No, I have a very uh, straightforward appeal and request to the entire fraternity and each and everyone in the value chain of aquaculture that we have to now believe in our own market, our own potential, own capacity. And uh, it is possible that we should uh, really, really uh, focus and start a small step uh, towards uh, promoting our domestic consumption and uh, when I say that India has 1.4 billion population and 75% of their non-vegetarian I think uh, we have a great potential I know I know it's not a magical uh, rod that uh, will just swirl and everything will change uh, it will take definitely it will take time uh, but already uh, some positive signs are there uh, post-covid already we are touching close to 80,000 tons of domestic market consumption so my appeal is that, uh, especially to the farmers, those who are having five pond, ten pond, try to at least dedicate one pond to uh, farm that one pond for the local areas, and that's where we can, you know, uh, start uh, spreading the uh, good, good thing about farm red shrimp. And I know one simple thing: awareness, availability, and acceptability are the three important factors. You know that will really change the. Uh, domestic market consumption. So we have to make 24-7 available the shrimp. So what? who can do that? Farmers can do that. So if I, Manoj Sharma is having two, 300 hectares, if I have 10, 20 hectares, I am dedicated to local market. So India, if you see an average, a smallest farmer is also having five ponds, five hectares. If he's one pond also in off season, if he dedicates uh, to cater to the local market and that way, I think I'm very sure uh, uh, a very big uh, change is going to come and it should be supported by the local feed millers, it should be supported by the local processors. And this is not for farmers, you know, this is for the entire industry. But one thing why I always support farmer, Dennis, because I have a reason to say that. Farmer is the base plate of the fundamental element of the entire aquaculture industry. Farmer survives, so hatchery will survive. Farmer survives, feed miller will survive. Farmer survives, the processor will survive. Because Farmer doesn't survive, the whole industry will crumble. So the in, I'm not I'm not I'm not biased about farmers or I'm not pro-farmer. I'm saying it's the need of the industry to safeguard the farmers, safeguard the farming. Because if farmer prospers, the entire nation will prosper. It is a, it is quite quite clear each, in each and every segment, whether it's a dairy, poultry, agriculture, wherever you see. Farmer is the mainstay in the game. So it is it is, it is not a very different in the shrimp farming. So today, farmer survives, the industry survives. That is my simple line, my simple tag, my simple slogan. And I, I stick to that. And I believe in that very, very strongly. That's fantastic. I think we all agree completely. I think that's that's the baseline of the entire industry. The aquaculture industry is the farmer. And so uh, I think that plan that you just kind of hashed out is a, a concrete plan that people can actually grasp onto and start to implement. So that's fantastic. I'm glad we were able to kind of get to that point. Uh, we are getting a little bit low on time. I don't want to keep you for too long, but I just want to see if there's any last minute message that you want to get out while you have the platform and before we get into 
how people can get in contact with you if they have questions. Simple. Again, again and again, I'm saying, believe in the next next decade will be of domestic market in India. Just stick to it. That's my simple, simple uh, appeal. Believe in domestic market and next decade is going to be in aquaculture is domestic market development in India. And I know that you have an upcoming speaking engagement at the Shrimp Summit in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, are there other speaking engagements that you're going to be having in the near future? <laughs> Dennis, uh, I cannot count it right, right away because if you see my calendar, uh, mostly <laughs> mostly uh, I don't uh, travel uh, from once I stock the pond. But after harvesting, after the healthy harvest, I dedicate my four month off season uh, to mostly uh, to the student. I visit a lot of fisheries college to motivate the students because they love to listen to my success story. They, they love me. They admire me. Then I also make a point uh, not to uh, say no to any farmers meeting because uh, farmer is the strength and backbone of the Indian, uh, maybe any country's prosperity. So I love uh, uh, talking and uh, uh, speaking to these two people. So uh, this four month, I travel every uh, 15 days in a month. Uh, so my engagements are very high. But uh, international, I would say, uh, I will be talking at uh, TARS. Uh, I think I got an invitation in TARS. Then I will be also going to some uh, Gautimolan tour in the November and then October, as usual, I will be invited to talk in uh, Ecuador, uh, Aqua Expo, Guayaquil. So there are some uh, invitations on hand and there are 29 fisheries college in India. So imagine they every year they rotate and invite me to talk and motivate each and every graduate every time. So talking is a part and parcel of my life now. So <laughs> cannot count on that. But uh, it has become uh, my duty and now it has become my routine. I love interacting with farmers. I love uh, sharing my knowledge. And what, what really makes me happy that if, if my knowledge, my practical experience can make a difference in somebody's life, somebody's earning. And um, so I think I will consider it as a blessing. And I'm thankful to God, the Almighty, that he has given me uh, uh, some expertise and some uh, knowledge uh, where uh, food can be grown through water. And on the face of global warming, when each and everybody is worried that who will feed the world beyond 2020. So I think aquaculture has the potential to feed the world. And India has a great potential to be the food ball of the world. Not in terms of shrimp, but we have so much diverse land. If I go on calculating and telling you the resources, everybody will be puzzled. That Indian government, we have such and such and huge resources. Uh, 1.2 million hectares of brackish water. And 9 million hectares of inland saline. We have... 3.5 million hectares of uh, freshwater lakes and reservoir, 200,000 kilometers of rivers, uh, 8,100 kilometers of coastline. My God, you see east and west, north side. India has huge, huge potential and it's such a big country. If the government uh, listens to me and I appeal to government, if even 10 to 20 percent of resources are made available to the entrepreneurs, India can be the next football of the world. And I think I'm very, very blessed that God has given me the strength to produce food from water. Dr. Manoush, we cannot thank you enough for being a farmer, an entrepreneur, an educator, an innovator, and leading by example. We're very proud to have you be a part of the Best Aquaculture Practices Program, and we can't thank you enough. We continue to wish you and all of India the utmost um, success, and I'll leave it to Sean and Maddie to sign off. Dennis, there is one thing I would like to thank to you and your entire team, Sean, Poncho, even to Dr. George, everybody who gave me this wonderful, wonderful platform. You have given me a means to convey my message and my appeal, my request to each and everyone. In fact, uh, more than you, I am thankful to you. To You have given me this wonderful platform to raise my voice, my concern uh, and uh, everything what I can do in my life for my uh, shrimp farmers, in, not in my country, to the world shrimp farmers. Thank you. Thank you so much from my bottom of my heart. And before we close out, Dr. Manoj, would you, is speaking of interacting with farmers, if any shrimp farmers or even consumers have questions and they want to get in touch with you, would the best way to do that be on your website or LinkedIn or what would you prefer? 
I, I have uh, my uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, but uh, you can share my number. I will love to chat them on WhatsApp because I travel so much. I'm not an office office man or office boy. So most <laughs> of my time is on travel. So my mobile is my office. So anybody who wants to uh, discuss with me anything, their their good stories or their concerns or their problems, I will I will love to hear them and try to give them whatever uh, value. Uh, whatever suggestion in my capacity. I love to interact with them. Fantastic. Well, well, we'll make sure that we include some contact information in the show notes. But thank you so much, Dr. Minoj, for sitting down and talking about this with us today. And thank you, Denise, for getting it all set up. I know it took a while to kind of get things scheduled, but you know, we, we're here and we got a really cool conversation out of it. And I'm really excited to share all of this information with our listeners. So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Minoj, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Folks, that was our conversation with Denise and Dr. Minosh. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I know we learned a whole lot. Uh, we're still kind of processing a lot of the information because it was pretty in-depth, as I said. But I also hope that you are subscribed to Aquademia wherever you are listening right now. So every time a new episode comes out, it will automatically be downloaded onto your device. We are on Twitter. Go ahead and give us a follow at Pod. If you want to contact podcast for any reason, you can do so via our online forum, which is located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And like we said at the top of the episode, if you enjoy this episode, the best way to show your appreciation is to leave a rating or review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on. That's right. And if you want to be more involved in the work that we do here at the Global Seafood Alliance, you may want to consider becoming a member. All of the information about our membership program can be found at globalseafood.org slash membership. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Ciao.